the first one of the skills that we know that helps our minds be more resilient is to strengthen our awareness. So to just be aware that you've got awareness, to notice you can notice and practice building that awareness by doing some sort of exercise either routinely or on an app or just for two seconds. So we're just going to start this next section with another pod. So if you're willing to close your eyes, let's do a shorter one. So just first of all, pause and notice your breath. And then observe your mind. Notice if your mind is calm or busy. And if it's busy, notice what's tugging at you. Thoughts of what's coming next or tiredness. Random thoughts, just notice. And then notice your body. Notice whether you can feel any sense of pain. Zoom in on areas of pain or stiffness. And notice your feelings. What are you actually feeling in this moment? If you had to say out loud, I am feeling calm, stressed, anxious. See if you can notice where you feel those feelings. And then we're gonna come back to the room and drop back into our bodies or look around, do whatever, just notice you've got a body and a mouth that you can move. And then we've got to decide what's important and refocus. So let's move on. So what I noticed in the podcast is about all the things that people said were important if they didn't have the flaws that they perceived. So if only I was shorter, I would walk like this. If only I was thinner, I would be willing to chat to more people. So I just want to reflect for a minute on what is important to you. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Why do you even need a body? Why do you want to move your arms and legs? What would you ideally do if you had this perfect body that you imagine from the inside out? So I wonder if you could grab a pen and pencil or tap it on your phone if that works for you and just ask yourself, what would you like to be doing more of? If you were completely confident in yourself, if you had this elusive feeling of go me with a stream of cheerleaders in your head, what would you want to do more of? Is there anything you'd want to do less of? So I'll ask you a few questions and you can just jot down anything that comes to mind. If you only had 45 days left to live, what would be important to get done then? Who would you seek out in these 45 days? Who would you spend time with and what would you want to be saying to them?
what and who would be important at the top of the list if you only had a few weeks left? And then look back on a few key memories that you've loved more than anything else, your best moments. And just see if you can pick apart those memories and what do they have in common? What do they show you about what you most enjoy? Are they outside? Are they inside? Are you on your own or with other people? What are you doing? What are you saying? How about at your next big birthday? For some of you, that might be your 21st or your 30th or your 40th or your 60th. If someone was to do an honest speech about you, what would you want them to be truthfully saying about the kind of person you are? Jot down a few key words. And then think of somebody that you really admire. What do you admire about them? What values do they have? What qualities do they have that you are attracted to? There are lots of questions there, but what we're trying to access is, is what your values are because what the research shows us is knowing your values, being truly connected with what's important really helps people live the life they want and to manage better. So is anyone prepared to share anything at all that they wrote down? Joe, I was gonna say um, one thing that I noticed is that I, you've asked me this before, and when uh -huh. you asked me this before, it was um, at the beginning of lockdown Okay. and how much it has changed during lockdown. I think the first time you asked me, I was a bit like, I think I said something quite rude. I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> but I thought now, you said authenticity, Gemma. No, That's it definitely what wasn't. I remember. No, it definitely wasn't. Oh, no, I um, have remembered now. <laughs> and this time, yeah. <laughs> and then this time round, it was much more like, I was like, oh, do you know what? My favourite, you know, you're talking about the different moments that you think of and, and that mm. you had a, 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 that you're happiest. And things like that were things like um, my very specific one was like the morning after going out with my female friends and us all waking up and being like, well, not slightly, probably very hungover, but all being like, we used to all like get into the same bed and just being physically close to each other, other people and just sitting Aww. around giggling and like messing around and having that physical closeness. And that I think that's that is just purely because of lockdown. So I haven't had that in mm. ages. Of just no. having like you know six we once got seven seven you know at the time 30 odd year old women <laughs> fully grown women in one bed just and we just kept on falling asleep and chatting and playing pranks on each other and talking about random stuff like that before and I think that that right there that closeness I think that's a lockdown thing no. um my my core my values have slightly changed my my values now are more about like that friendship and that 
that closeness and that honestness and uh, yeah Oh, nice. So there's loads of, like, again, so physical closeness, but also psychological closeness, intimacy, authenticity, being transparent around other people. And there's loads of research that says people who are authentic are the most attractive. That's, they're the people that most attract other people, interestingly. So that's really, there's some nice stuff in there. Anybody else? Go on, sorry. I think whoever, whoever said that though, doesn't do online dating, I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> well, maybe they did. Maybe they did do online dating and realize that actually there's not many attractively authentic people. Authenticity is, is sparse. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really true because we're also hijacked by our minds that tell us we should be a certain way and that we should be saying a certain set of stuff. So um, maybe part of reflecting on who we want to be, we could be more authentic in those things. Because authenticity um, is spreads quicker than COVID in my experience. So if you're out with a group of friends and people are being veneery and talking about how perfect their life is, how little inside stuff they have going on, then everyone else follows that and you have a really unauthentic, dull evening. But actually, as soon as a few people are prepared to put on the table what they're really thinking and feeling, then other people do that. And then you actually enjoy that physical intimacy, psychological intimacy, in my humble opinion. Anyway, but uh, what else have people come up with? And I wanted to add to that the authenticity thing. I think vulnerability is quite important as well. Like yeah. the ability to be open with your feelings and and tell people when you're not feeling good. And I just think that I totally agree with the authentic bit because it's quite refreshing when someone says to you, oh, like, I don't feel good because it opens up a conversation and it's really tiring, like, putting on an act and pretending mm, mm. and when people are vulnerable it makes you like them more yeah I think that's I think there's loads of truth in there and yet how hard sometimes it is to be vulnerable because that's really scary isn't it because what if I share things and people reject me for them or pretend they don't feel that so I think courage and vulnerability go together probably courage and vulnerability and authenticity um, but perhaps they're the magic triad in in feeling physical and mental closeness which is kind of what we all crave isn't it and are missing perhaps so um I would like to spend more, lots more time here because it's really interesting so um Again, the research shows incredibly clearly that people who are really conscious of their values and what they want and what's important to them have a more meaningful life. So I would really encourage you um, to focus on that a bit more, to spend a bit more time talking to other people and really embellishing your your values and getting to know what you really want what's important to you and and I love that 45 day question I often use that in big training centers um, and I've done a lot of work with the police in recent years and it's such an interesting question to get people to reflect on we're kind of trapped particularly maybe as older people trapped in hamster wheels um, unable to get off doing what we do because that's what we've always done 
and how interesting it would be to be told that you really do only have 45 days left and maybe COVID brings a bit of a reality around that when we hear people are getting sick but um, it would be great to live our lives like we only have 45 days left in a way so what I want to do now is to think about well what happens what what is the inside stuff which is at the root of all our not doing or being authentic why don't we do what we want to do why aren't we vulnerable all the time and authentic all of the time and getting on with building our physical stamina um well that's because we're really sabotaged by our inside hijackers isn't it even just chatting this afternoon, how easy it is to see what people's minds do. So we only have to close our eyes and our minds have something to say about that, don't they? They're always judging us. So our minds are like these constant little radio doom and gleam sort of leaning over us, like either a critical teacher or, um, yeah radio doom and gleam i mean i've always thought wouldn't it be great to have a cheerleading mind so that when i open my eyes in the morning like a whole group of people appeared in my head with those pom-poms with a little rhyme like go joe go joe you're really great you're really slim everybody loves you i think that would be really marvelous and really set me up for the day but in reality what happens is i open my eyes and my mind says why are you living with this man that breathes so loudly? Um, then my mind says, why are you living with these children who are so messy? Then my mind says, but you're really messy. And then my mind starts telling me how rubbish I am at my job. And by the time I've got to my kettle, which actually isn't very far away from my bedroom, makes it sound like I live in Buckingham Palace, but I can probably have about 30,000 negative thoughts before I've even got to my kettle and and that's how it is so i just kind of want to reflect a bit on what maybe you've done so all of us have had times to a greater or lesser extent when our mind says you're too fat too small too ugly too spotty too messy haired too big feeted too small ears i don't know whatever so all of those things and i just wonder what you've tried to try and get rid of those thoughts or feelings or to feel better about yourself or to improve your body image what have you tried already throw some things out there or what have other what do other people try if you want to make it less personal I think there was that um there's a thing going around at the moment on social media that's like body positivity and like um mm. just like kind of thinking positive thoughts all the time and like just accepting your body and who you are and that sort of thing which um I I wasn't really like that into it but I know other people are and that's what other people use to kind of regulate that sort of thing that's a good that's a good point so has anybody ever tried this because I think I tried a few years ago so stand in front of the mirror and go yeah you really are amazing you look really beautiful um you're really great has anyone ever tried that no no what a few people are nodding so what does your mind say back when you go I am enough what does your mind jump in with pretty quick but you're not but you're not absolutely so in in many ways um what the research says is if you try and think positive that gives your mind more opportunity to throw up some negatives 
And it's interesting because I think that's what happens a lot around reassurance. So people say, does my bum look big in this? And everyone else goes, no. And then their mind says, yes, it does. So then you've got three thoughts for the price that could have been one. So positive thinking doesn't seem to work. What else have people tried? Has anyone tried distraction or avoiding? I like tend to go on walks or do exercise. Okay. Yeah, distract and go swimming and things. Okay. And it just takes your your um if you have a if you have a task at hand, it takes your attention away from that. Yeah, and, and sometimes distraction can be good, can't it? If it um one, if it's distraction that focuses on something a bit more strength building that takes you nearer your values. But does anybody like me use distraction in quite a negative way where that will be scrolling through social media or eating a whole box of lint balls or no, Gemma, you don't do anything that's negatively distracting, I know. The only person we could find who was perfect was in Sheffield. There's no one in Sussex with such levels of perfection. Learning is, and it's not perfection. I just, I just don't, I don't distract in that kind of way. My idea of distraction is um, about just a little bit on the like body positivity thing. If I look at myself in the mirror and I see my big belly and I think, oh, I'm so ugly. What I've then countered that with is filling my social media with people with big bellies that I look at and think they look beautiful. Okay. And that works for me. That does work for me because I then start to realise, I start to think to myself, well, you can see beauty in other people who have the same thing that you do. You can't okay. see yourself. And that just sort of twists my brain. It doesn't, it doesn't make me go, oh my God, I am gorgeous. Because that would be, <laughs> that would be ridiculous. But it does help my brain to sort of go, you might see this as negative, but actually maybe those people that say that you're, it's a positive, maybe they're right because you look at other people and you see only a positive. So okay. that does that helps that sort of distraction helps, but I certainly don't. I don't seem to do the other the other type really. Okay. Does anyone avoid situations in order to not feel bad about themselves? Has anyone done that in the past? You're nodding, Claire and Emma. I just don't. I kind of do like the same thing as Gemma, but I do it where I don't follow anyone on social media that I look at and be like. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. That's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I just won't follow anyone on social media that I think, oh, I really want to look like them or they have a nicer figure than me. I just, I just won't follow them. I just okay, follow, so like, do you know so, what I mean? So yeah, so in some ways you're avoiding exposing yourself to bad feelings um, by not, following anyone that looks amazing yeah yeah cool yeah now I think a lot of people do that what were you going to say Claire yeah I agree with Emma about the avoiding um it I have to be honest I would probably in the past maybe now but just will hide myself away um and um maybe eat a lot because I get into a, like a despairing cycle where I think well what's the point you know Hands off in the air, can't be bothered, yeah. hide away, and then it makes it an awful lot worse. And I think um, we're, we're only doing, aren't we, what we do in the outside world. So, in the outside world, if we, if someone just dumped a shed load of rubbish in your front room, what would we do with that? 
if you couldn't catch them and make them clear it up themselves. Clear it away. <laughs> it's, it's clear it away. And, and if you walk into a room that smells really disgusting, what do you tend to do? Open the window. Open the window, walk back walk, out. Walk out. <laughs> so there's a sense in the, in the outside world that we can avoid what we don't like. We can avoid rubbish. We can avoid things that we find distasteful. And we, we try and do this with our inside world. So things that bring up anxiety or things that bring up a sense of insecurity, we start avoiding. But actually the evidence is they, if anything, they make our anxiety about our bodies worse rather than better. And there's all sorts mm -hmm. of things that people try and do to improve their body image. So there's a whole heap of distractions, including drugs and alcohol, um, exercise, social media, loads of things. Some people opt out, just stop going to things, hide in their bed. Other people think a lot, so try and solve the problem. Google how to change the color of your nose or how to improve the strength of your hair or how to reduce the size of your bum. There's a lot of that goes on, like endless problem solving or if I compare myself with any of these people, I'll feel better. So again, we try and do what we do in other areas of our life. We try and problem solve it. And yet none of this stuff really works. And actually the ACT research shows that what we need to do instead is to change the relationship we have with our thoughts and feelings. Because think about this, imagine a memory, imagine a bad memory, so a little bad memory, so don't traumatize yourself too much, but think of a time when you were teased for being a certain way or a label that you don't like, or even just getting up this morning, that sort of memory. So now delete that memory in your head, try and delete it, not have that memory. So how is that going? Not well. <laughs> not well. So actually, amplify the memory. Sadly, there's no delete button. So I will also know what you're thinking in five minutes, okay? Well, five seconds. So I'm going to say something and I can predict exactly what most of you will think. So how about this? Mary had a little lamb is what you're all thinking. Um, so the world sets us up. I mean, can you remember who taught you Mary had a little lamb? Did you give consent to learning that? Did you have capacity to learn it? Or did it just get wired in against your permission? And that's kind of like what our wiring is like. We've been wired neurologically as children and adolescents and beyond with things that we wouldn't choose. There's lots of memories and labels that I wish I didn't have, but I have them. And there's nothing we can do about that. All the investment, all the money in the world, all the avoidance in the world is not going to get rid of the fact that people called me chicken legs at school. And whenever anyone says anything about my legs, that's what I think. Um, and, um, you know, I'm sure other people can remember other things. So we don't have very much choice over our thoughts in reality. We think we do, but we actually don't. And imagine this, if I put a gun to your head right now and said, 
I'm going to shoot your closest family member if you feel any anxiety. How do you think you'd get on? Do you think you could control your anxiety? Probably not. So what does that show you about your ability to control your feelings, even when your life depends on it or someone else's does? How much control do you have over your feelings? Very little. <laughs> Very little, pretty much none. So we have no delete buttons and we have no ability to stop ourselves feeling the way we do, however much you try. And lots of people in this world and there's a whole shed load of self-help books that will tell you you can do that. But I don't know how you do that. I haven't been able to do that for myself. So instead, the ACT model talks about some different skills you can learn to manage your thoughts dif differently. So um, I just want to work you through a few exercises. So first of all, start by writing on a piece of paper. This is Gemma's favorite activity. Well, I'm sure she has other favorite activities. Your favorite tool. So um, get a piece of paper and put it, I think it's landscape. Is that landscape? Sideways. Yeah. And down the bottom right-hand corner, write something about this part of your body that you most hate so um my bottom is huge my stomach is disgusting whatever is the thought that dominates you quite a lot if i could put a memory stick in your head what would be an aspect that your mind would wind you up about you don't have to do a real one i won't ask you about it unless you want to so I have put, um, I have big bags under my eyes. Okay. So I want you to just look at that little statement for a minute and get really loved up with that. So that in itself is a bit different, isn't it? Because we invest a lot of time avoiding facing the thing we hate. This seems a bit counterintuitive. So I am looking at the words big baggy eyes. So just really look at it, really think of a time when someone said that about you or when you really filled with disgust about it. Does anyone notice anything about their body when they look at that? Does anything happen inside yourself? I feel a bit sick actually when I look at okay. that. Okay. Okay. Nauseous, yeah. Yeah, a bit nauseous. Anyone else notice some feelings that comes up inside of them? A bit embarrassed. Embarrassed, like, okay. Your mind saying that's stupid. Okay. Where do you feel that in your body? Um, in my like brain. My okay. Head, yeah, okay. Anyone else? I can feel it in my breathing. I feel like I'm breathing a little bit heavier when I look at it. Okay. Mechanically. Okay. So first of all, isn't it interesting, the power of a few words on a piece of paper. So even just having that on the piece of paper can do stuff to our insides. No wonder we get driven mad by this stuff. And who wouldn't want to avoid that? So what I want you to try and do now is to write in the middle of the page, so before that sentiment, I am having the thought that, 
say, I've got, I am having the thought that, or it should be about in this context, my big baggy eyes. What happens then when you look at that? So read that sentence out loud in your head. I am having a thought about my big baggy eyes. What happens when you do that? It's almost like you put the thought in a little balloon or a little box. And it's like, it's, just, it's almost like an object. It's a thing, it's a thought. Okay. It's not necessarily like the be all and end all or you know, it's just one small thing. Okay. So what's the impact? Does that change the impact in any way, the power? Mm -hmm. I guess it shows that it's just a thought yeah. and it passes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it shows that you can choose, just maybe change your thoughts to something else. Okay. Yeah. I think you can't probably change your thought, but maybe you can notice and change your way your torch is pointing. Yeah, where you yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, where you yeah, focus, focus on something else. Yeah. As in I like, let um, that sit there and move on. Yeah, let, let it sit there. That's important. So see if you can now write right on your left side, I am noticing a or that, depending on what. So I've got I am noticing that I am having the thought that I've got big baggy eyes. And then read that out in your head. What happens then? I feel like it's almost like giving yourself permission to like, I don't know, think that. Cause like usually you'd think it and then you'd kind of be like, you'd try and kind of, I don't know, wrestle with the thought, you think about it more and you'd be like, either be like, no, that's not true. And trying to like, think about it. Whereas this way you're kind of just being like, I'm noticing that I'm having the thought, but I'm not like, I don't know, arguing with myself over it. I'm just kind of accepting that I'm allowed to have feelings like that and think that. Okay, nice. It's making you aware that you're thinking about it. Okay, so you're like linking that to your torch again, that's cool. Yeah, so you're noticing that it's a thought, it's something that's going on in your head. What happens to the power of it as you notice that? So read it again in your head and think back to when you first wrote it on paper. Notice what that's like now. I, I'm more like kind of inquisitive about it. And like, I wonder why I'm thinking that or... Okay, but what, what should I do next if that's the thought that I'm having? It's always oh, like nice. empowering, yeah. Oh, nice, okay. Anybody else? Less upsetting. Okay, less upsetting. So almost like less power. That would be good, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. Because it's the power, it's not the thought, is it? It's the power that these thoughts have over us. The power these thoughts have to hijack us and jerk us about into away from our values. So yeah. you know, Sorry, Gemma. I was gonna say that's exactly why I kind of love that that um that 
um, exercise. It's just because of that. It literally, whatever the horrible thought is that would be normally, as Leah was saying, all consuming, I would go away, I'd research it, I'd think about it, I'd ruminate on it, I'd it'd become my entire world for maybe five minutes. It just pushes that thought far enough away from me to be able to observe the thought in a calm manner and decide for myself whether or not I want to sit in it or be in it or I'm going to have it have all that power over me and things like that I can actually make a decision about it because it might be something huge let me wrong it might be something that I need it to have that power over me at that time if it was something like a I don't know a diagnosis of cancer or something like that then obviously that's going to be overwhelming and all-consuming and you will be in that but you kind of need to be at that time but if it's just simple thing of like you know my belly's too big and I've got um an uh, that and I think my belly's ugly I kind of don't really need that thought it's not useful to me and it's it having that power over me isn't healthy and that's such simple easy way of just getting that distance away from it and going oh can see that thought that thought's not helpful probably going to think that thought later again but um right now I'm going to go and do this because that's not helpful and that's I think that's the really there's a couple of really interesting words in there so we're talking about diminishing its power over us so you know we talk about there's a real thing isn't there like don't end up with a controlling man well a lot of us we need to worry about a controlling mind not a controlling man because a controlling mind is much more powerful to control us and to make us do things that we don't actually want to do and to stop us doing the things that give us pleasure so this gives us it gives us more freedom it gives us more choice and the other thing that you said Gemma that's really important is once you notice a thought so part of the problem is if you're just running around in that building with your torch pointing everywhere or with it stuck on whatever body part you're trying to avoid um you you can't have any flexibility you can't have any choice but once you notice it you can then be like oh it was actually an adult lying in that corner it wasn't a child it wasn't dangerous after all and in the same way once you notice a thought you can ask interesting questions of it so you can ask is this a thought that would help me right now so it might be a thought that helps you tonight it might be a thought that might motivate you in the future or has done in the past, but is it a thought that's going to help me right now? If all during this podcast I have a thought, I don't know, um, I can smell burning, I need to go and investigate, um, is that going to help me right now? Well, fortunately, someone else is in the house, so it's not going to help me. Um, but we can start to have some flexibility, can't we, about all... Oh, can that thought help me be the values that I've chosen in the previous exercise? So it gives you more power and choice. So given that we're not going to change our thoughts and feelings. So above my computer, it's a good job I do most things on Zoom. I have all my most regular negative thoughts because it saves the time. It saves me time to think them. So I have up there, I'm a rubbish psychologist. I look terrible on Zoom. I'm far too anxious to do this job and everyone hates me. They're my most frequent thoughts. So just putting them up there, whenever they come into my mind, I can just give them a nod, which is much easier than having to um, wrestle with them. So there's four stages to disentangle from a thought. That would be first of all, to notice and name it. So to become aware of it, to notice it and name it. 
And then you can take some distance. So you can disentangle from it. And then it doesn't control you anymore. You can ask, will this thought help me right now? So don't ask, is this the truth? Because sometimes it will be the truth. My belly is a bit fat and hanging over my pants. So um, we're not interested in whether it's true or not. We're interested in, will it help me to go towards my values in this moment? Will it help me enjoy physical intimacy? Will it help me have fun? Will it help me be authentic? Will it help me build my stamina? All these things you've identified as your values. If you buy into that thought as the truth, will it help you? So I'd really encourage you to practice that exercise. I'd really encourage you to realize you can't change your thoughts. So there's no point in trying, but we can acknowledge them and disentangle from them. So I want to do another really simple exercise that works very well with some of these haunting body aspects. So, but I'm going to do it with a neutral word so you can get the idea. So when I say the word milk, what comes into your mind? Cereal. Cows. <laughs> Cereal, cows. That's not very kind, Sophie. Cups of tea. <laughs> Sorry, coffee. Yeah, no, that's what comes into my mind. What colour comes into your mind? White. 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 Yeah. Does anybody remember the gold top and the cream from school and feel a bit icky? Yeah. Um, that's what comes to my mind. So you say milk and it maps onto a whole range of things. It maps onto colour, it maps onto smell, it maps onto some drinks and some animals. So what I want to do now, so I don't feel mad, you have to help me here. So what we're going to do for 30 seconds, we're going to say milk over and over again in silly voices, high voices, deep voices, fast, slow, and see what happens to the word, okay? You're following? Mm -hmm. Right, so go. Milk 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 it's meaning, it does, yeah. It, mean, it kind of loses its semantic qualities a bit, doesn't it? You'll have to practice that because it probably doesn't work quite so well. But if you do it for a minute, usually you can... So if you've got a word that kind of taunts you or a couple of words like round face or big bum or fat stomach or whatever, if you just kind of repeat it over and over again, and here, again, we're doing something that's quite counterintuitive, aren't we? Because what we tend to do is we notice this thing we hate, and then we do our best to avoid it. So here we're kind of being willing to have it in order to do what's important. So we wouldn't want to put ourselves through this if it wasn't important. So it's almost like, you know, we're wading through a swamp of difficult thoughts and feelings to do what's important on the other side to have the adventure. So I'd encourage you to practice that, um, but also to recognize that if you're getting difficult thoughts and feelings about something, that's because it's important. So if you think about it, the times when you get most difficult thoughts and feelings is when you're trying to do a value-driven choice. 
So when you try and do something that's in line with your values, it's painful, it's difficult, and the alternative is staying in your comfort zone. That's why it's called a comfort zone. So you can almost get excited when you get anxiety and lots of difficult thoughts about, is this right? And what can I do here? Because actually it's showing you that something really important is gonna happen. So that's worth thinking about. So I would encourage you, which again is so counterintuitive, but works very nicely. So if you've got a very fixed part of your body that you really hate, make a poster of it. So find all the pictures you can. Um, if it's your big bottom, make it even bigger. Print out some pictures, put it on a poster. Um, if you've got like, you know, you don't like your cesarean belly, then cut out lots of pictures of magazines of cesarean bellies. Um, write belly, belly, belly all over it. Put some smiley faces all over it. Just actually, again, being willing to have what we most hate begins to diminish its its power to jerk you around that's the important thing so any comments about this madness only that i'm thinking i thinking that that would be a good thing to do but my mind would immediately start hijacking it and and it, it might diminish it in the moment for me but when i'm getting ready to go for a night out i'll still mm. choose something i might not want to wear but i'll choose it because it hides my stomach yeah, I think that's really true. I think if you think about difficult thoughts, particularly old, sticky, powerful thoughts, imagine they're a bit like a beach ball. What happens when you try and push it underwater? Yeah, it just pops back up. Yeah. It pops back up and, and the energy it takes to try and get rid of that thought is really hard. So um, yeah, it will do that. And again, these are skills. So they take practice. So I probably, after every single session as a psychologist, there is, I would say 90% I get the thought that was a terrible session, I'm a rubbish psychologist. So there would have been a time when that really sabotaged me and I would have got very anxious. I would spend time actually looking at criteria to be struck off. Um, I would start to really worry that other people should know this, how rubbish I really was. But actually now I've just got that thought up there and I can just put my thumb up to it. I can thank my mind. That's another technique I use a lot. Thank you mind for pointing that out, but it's okay, I actually know about it. So um, it, it's much like, it's not gonna go away. You're rarely gonna get rid of a thought. Mary has a little lamb, will stay with you until you die. And that's the same with our sticky thoughts. They're going to be there, but that doesn't really matter. You know, you can walk around with a thought in your head that says, I am turning blue. And that won't impact you. You're not turning blue. It only starts to impact you when you start checking the mirror or when you start looking in your reflection. And that becomes an absorbing thought, a part of your body that's messing with your head starts becoming all consuming and you're not making any commitment towards your values or you get the thought your stomach is disgusting so you don't go out um that takes you away from your values so yeah of course we're not gonna um want to walk out with a massive arrow pointing to our weak flaws that would be weird 
um, we want to wear we can choose clothes that flatter us why wouldn't you do that but it's when our thoughts have the ability to control us more than any psychopath um, that we want to practice some of these things and the more you practice it it's very interesting the less power it has I promise you but you do need to practice because what our natural inclination is we don't want to have that thought. We want to argue with that thought. Or we want to say, that's really stupid. Why are you being like that? For goodness sake, you've been having this thought for five decades. It's still doing you over. You know, why are you so pathetic? We want to get on that bandwagon. I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's something that we can question right now. I think it's something that I think everyone needs to go and sort of try, give it a go. Um, I am proof positive hopefully that it does work um and that it does it does it does help but like joe says it does take unfortunately practice um i have no i'm still also nowhere near my six pack but i'm hopefully on the way towards it um or a little bit a little bit further down the road your mental six pack yeah my mental six pack i'm like <laughs> physical one now my mental six packs <laughs> <laughs> my mental six packs much more developed than my physical one we don't really have time to do either self-compassion or sitting with your feelings which is a whole other podcast potentially so people can let us know if we want to do that but I hope that gives you some thinking really so we do know that the three important skills for building resilience about anything is strengthening your awareness so I'd really encourage you to notice your five senses and where possible practicing noticing what's coming up inside of you so noticing your thoughts and feelings as well noticing where your torch is inwards or outwards get really loved up with your values really know what's important to you not what society says not what gender stereotypes say but what would you want to be doing with your life? What qualities do you want to bring to the table? Whatever anybody else says. Live like you've only got 14 days left. 45 is too long. 14 sharpens your perspective. So how would you live if tomorrow was your last day? What would you be doing and saying? So see if you can make some commitments to some small actions towards your important values so you could choose authentic what am I going to do tomorrow what authentic text am I going to send or if I'm interested in getting fitter you know how many steps can I do tomorrow maybe 10 that's sufficient go small so think about your values and tiny actions that you can take towards your values but really get to know your values that will also give you a stronger core when um, you look to other people to validate you. And then just start to notice your difficult thoughts that come up inside of you to jerk you around like a puppet and just see if you can do something different with them. So, um, because then we'll be able to do actions that take us nearer our values more often. And again, the research shows us that if we frequently work towards our values, do things that are in the direction of what's important to us, we feel better, life feels meaningful. So any final words before we sign off? Gemma, do you want to say a final sentence? Um, yeah, yeah, sure. So firstly, I just want to say Thank you very much for that, Joe. It was really, really helpful. Like I say, I've kind of done it with you before, um, and I can absolutely guarantee that it, you know, it does work. It's a good way to start. Um, I am constantly, forever, doing my pods, doing my mental sit-ups, 
I am um, very much always sort of giving myself space around those, around my thoughts and feelings. I am very aware now of what my values are, um, what the things are really important to me and what is just not. And I'm also as well, also constantly disentangling myself from my thoughts, getting out of my inner world and noticing those thoughts and then just, you know, getting that distance from them to make sure that I'm prepared for them to have impact or not to have impact. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for that, Joe, And thank you very much that's taken part. Um, thank you everyone for coming along, sharing your thoughts, having a go at this. Um, by all means, go away, have a go at it, give it a good go. Anyone else listening as well, I would say, give it a good go. And then hopefully one day report back to us and we'll do another podcast and we'll see whether or not you two have, um, have found yourself freed from your thoughts, more resilient and just generally a lot more happier within yourself. Thank you very much.